Hey, we all ought to be like that, praising all the time. Amen? Hallelujah. Well, listen, I want to talk a little bit about vision, and basically I'm just laying a framework, and God will fill it in, but um, the vision here, and, and because, you know, you go to a lot of places and companies, they've got a vision statement. If we have a vision statement, it's to know him and make him known. It's twofold, but there's a whole bunch of things in those, all right? But I want to start with the know him part of it today, and next week I'll get into the know him, make him known part, and there's several avenues of, of each of those that, that are part of not only the vision of, of the church, but needs to be in a, a vision of yours as well, your vision, that God's spoken to you to do some things. Because I believe with all my heart God speaks to every one of us and God wants to use every one of us. He's got an assignment for every one of us. Now, I want to talk about, let me, I'm going to talk, there's a couple of scripture verses I'm going to use that are the famous in-church scripture verses for casting a vision for the church. But it's kind of taken a little bit out of context, but I'm going to put it in context today. Where it's what it's used for, you can use it in the church, but it's not specifically a church vision scripture verse. Okay? Let's go to Proverbs 29.18. And it says this, Where there is no vision, the people perish, but happy is he who keeps the law. New King James says, Proverbs 29.18, Where there is no revelation... That word vision means revelation. The people cast off restraint. That word restraint means run wild. Now, I could talk about the things we want to do in this church and the direction we want to go in this church, and I could say, you know, we got to have the vision. What they're talking about there, we can, this is mankind. Where there is no revelation of who Jesus Christ is, people run wild. Take a look out your window. See what's going on. If there's no revelation of Jesus Christ, anything goes anytime, anywhere with anybody, doesn't matter. People cast off restraint. Same thing with, with the church. We need to have a vision or direction. Where are we going? What are we doing? Well, if we know him and make him known is kind of the statement, and that's kind of the direction we're going. There's a difference now. I want to talk a little bit about vision and goals. Do you know there's, there's a big difference between having a vision and a goal? All right, I'll get to that in just a second. Now, I want to go to Habakkuk, chapter 2, and verse 1 through 3. And again, another scripture verse that's used a lot. Now, let me give you a little background on Habakkuk, prophet. He's mouthing off to God. He's having an argument with God. Anybody else ever mouthed off to God? Just, just, or just me? <laughs> He's having an argument with God. Here's his problem. He's in Judah. And the, and the Judeans are, they're in sin, things are a mess, but the Babylonians, who are worse than they are, are actually coming and conquering and doing things. And so Habakkuk is saying, hey, God, how, why are you judging us with people that are worse than we are? Now, if you read all the way through Habakkuk, he starts having an argument with God, and by the end, he's just praising God, you are God, and you know what you're doing, and he's mad at God, and then all of a sudden, he gets a revelation. But look at what he says. I love this. Maybe you've never been there, but I have been. Look at what he says in, in chapter 2 and verse 1. I will stand my watch and set myself on the rampart and watch and see what he will say to me, and I will, and I will answer when I am corrected. He knew that he was mouthing out. He was like, God, you know what? I'm mad, and I know you're going to correct me, so go ahead. But now this is what God says to him. 
Then the Lord answered, write the vision and make it plain on tablets that he may run who reads it. Make it, that word, write the vision, make it plain. Explain it. Write it down. Make it clear so that people that see it, can, it can motivate them and they can run with it. So he was getting ready to tell the people in Judea, this is what God's doing. By the end of it, he's very excited all about God. In the beginning, he's arguing with God. In the end, he's all about God. But isn't it interesting that God was using evil to bring judgment on Judah? Oh, God never does that. Oh, God does that. He did say, yeah, I'm going to judge, I'm going to judge Judah, but then I am going to judge the Babylonians. Because God's a righteous God. And I know this isn't popular in our churches today, but God will judge sin. Got pretty quiet in this Pentecostal dancing church. <clears throat> He'll judge it. So you can stay in it as long as you want to, but you're going to be miserable. So it says this in verse 3, For the vision is yet for appointed time. I don't like that. Because sometimes it's not right now. Sometimes it's later. I mean, we've all, you know, I remember when I got born again and I, you know, went through Bible school and called the ministry and I'm going to do some things. And I'm thinking, oh boy, man, you know, I'm going to go to Bible school for three years. At the end of the third year, God's going to open the doors. I'm going to have this great ministry. I'm going to travel all over the place. Whew. Took a few more years than that. Because I am convinced of this. God is more concerned with your character than he is your position. We see what happens when people get in a position of authority that don't have the character of Christ. Destruction, disaster can happen. But what has this got to do with vision in the church? It has a lot to do with it. Because we've got to have a vision, and it's got to be from God. And here's the difference. I'm going to talk, I talk to you. We've got to be patient, because God's going to bring it to pass. A lot of times, people come to me and say, hey, pastor, i got this great idea. You know, and I'm thinking, well, yeah, that is a really great idea. And if God's put that on your heart, go ahead and do that. But it really doesn't fit in what we're doing here. You know, if somebody comes up to me and say, oh, you know, we need to have a Christian school. That would be a good godly thing. That's great, but it's not part of the vision of what we're doing here at Sioux Christian Fellowship. So having a Christian school, great. It would be a distraction to the vision that we have which is to, to, to know him and make him known. But I'm going to hit this first part, know him very hard. You've got to know him, not know about him. There's a huge difference. You know, I knew about my wife before I knew my wife. Okay? But let me ask you something. I don't know how, of course, you know, I, I like to think, you know, the minute I walked through the door, she was saying, oh, my husband. <laughs> But here's the thing. We've got Resurrection Sundays coming up. People are going to come because they know about him. I know that that's when he was raised from the dead. But they don't know him. Now, if I had had my wife that same way, hey, I'm going to show up once a week for about 30 minutes. I'm going to hear you talk, and I'm not really going to pay attention to you, and I'm going to go my way. I wonder how a relationship would have gone. What do we do to Christ? Do you know him or do you know about him? There's a big difference. Now, I want to talk about vision, and I'll give you, this is a great example. God just really, he doink, you know when you get doinked in the head by God, and you go, uh, how dumb can I be? We talk about vision, 
And vision, if God gives you a vision, God will bring it to pass. Here's where I have made a mistake and people make a mistake. We've got debt in this church. And God's vision is for us to be debt free. We know that. We know that, right? My goal, let's have it paid in a year. You know what happens when you set goals that are outside of God's vision? You got to make that goal happen. That's a great goal. But God did not tell me this will be paid in a year. No, the vision was this debt, we need to be debt free. You see what I'm saying? Because when you set goals like that, what happens if you don't meet that goal? Then you're disappointed. Well, God let me down. Or I did. No, that's not what God said. God said you will be debt free. Okay. And guess what? God will make that happen. I set the goal, but it'll be done in a year. So now what have I got to do? If I want to make that happen, you know, we're getting closer. It's nine months, ten months. All of a sudden, well, you know, we're going to take 14 offerings to get to this goal. You know, because we got to meet this goal. But Because, you know, I stood up here and I said, and hey, God's going to pay it off in a year. I said that. That was my goal. There's a difference. When God gives you a vision and gives us a vision of where we need to go, here's what it is. A vision is a living thing. It continues to grow. A vision, now listen to this, vision from God. When you get born again, you should have some kind of a vision of God of how you should live. You don't have to be born again 45 years to realize this is wrong and this is right. You know, I got born again within a day or two, I knew. There's some things, you know, there's some things that I had to get right in my life. And there was people that helped me. When I got born again, I had some bumper stickers on my car that a worldly person probably shouldn't have on their car. You know, somebody gently, you know, and I'll tell you, it was interesting because somebody didn't come and say, you heathen, get rid of that thing. They just kind of gently gave me some Christian bumper stickers. I said, oh, I understand, you know. So in love and gentle, you know, I mean, there were some times when somebody had to come along and say, you know, I had, I had authorities in my life to come along and said, son, we need to have a talk. I had a lot of those. I had a lot of those. But praise God for that. You know, I don't mind correction because I want to do it right. But see, it, a vision orients the activity of your life. God's calling. <laughs> orients the vision of the life or it orients the vision of the church. Because if you don't have this vision, then somebody comes up and says, we need to have a Christian school. We need to have a, public, we need to have a community garden. We need to have this. We need to have that. We say, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Well, that's a great idea. Let's do that too. Well, that's a great idea. And you got people out there doing all that kind of stuff that is a distraction from what God really wants you to do. And in our own lives, we have to be careful. I am in a situation right now in my life where God is just peeling things away from me that I thought were just... I was doing them, and I was doing it, but the Lord is saying, now this has become a distraction to you. Ugh. Sometimes they're hard. Sometimes they're things you even like. Sometimes they're things you even want to do. Do you know there was a day, this was years ago, that God had the audacity to tell me that to stop golfing. You think, well, that's kind of silly, but you don't understand. I was on the road and I was preaching, man. I was on the golf course all the time. 
if I could sneak in an hour before the service, man, I'm on the golf course. Things were out of order. Now, that may be a little simple thing, but I understood what it meant to me. Now, I can't stand up here and say, God said no one should golf. <laughs> no, God was dealing with me. God will deal with us. Thank God he's allowed me to go back and hack up the golf course. And let me tell you, when I go out there, I get my money's worth because I hit the ball a lot. <laughs> Praise God. And I get to work on my patience. But living, it's a live, the vision is a living thing. There is a difference between a vision and a goal. Now, people will come and try to add to the vision and take away from the vision. Not just in church setting, even in your life. So what is the vision of Sioux Christian Fellowship? It's twofold, to know him and make him known. Now, I want to say this. You have got to know him. Because my question is this. Can you really make him known if you don't know him? You can make, tell somebody about him. And I'll tell you what, when you tell somebody about him, you don't really know him. Because if you know him, you know his character. And I'll tell you this. If we start worship, and I get up here and I say, hey, and this happened church in Seattle, Washington. I can't remember the name. I probably shared this before. They would start worship, and they'd, have, they'd be dancing, man, in the spirit. Woo, in the spirit. They'd be dancing. Woo. And then they were making eye contact with someone of the opposite gender. And you'd look into their eyes while you're worshiping. It's in the, it's in the spirit. Look at their eyes. And all of a sudden, wait a second. They're my soulmate. So this one was a divorce and the husband, this one was a divorce and the wife because we married the wrong person because they weren't our soulmate. Okay? I know the character of Christ. And folks, let me give you a big revelation. That ain't it. Okay? So we need to know his character. If you know, that, if you know Christ, it's pretty hard to sin if you know Christ and you know his character without absolutely knowing that I am doing wrong. Now, listen, when you first get born again and you're doing things, and I get it, we make mistakes, and we still sin even by mistake, and even sometimes I make decisions that, you know, I'm frustrated and I do something dumb, and I know it's dumb, but I do it anyway. <sighs> Forgive me, God. But guess what? I, I know there's conviction. If you just know about him, there may not be any conviction because knowing about him isn't knowing him. Resurrection Sunday comes. People know about when he died, when he rose again. They know him, when his, who his mom was, when he was born. Okay? But they don't know him. We have to know him. So how does that happen? Well, we're going to talk about that a little bit. John 10, verse 27 says this. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. you got to know his voice. There is thousands of voices, and none without significance, the Bible says. We need to know his through all the noise. Sometimes students say, well, I've never heard God speak to me audibly. Well, he may not be an audible voice, but there's this, there's this unction that you know. You know, how do you know that it's God when he's speaking to you? Well, if you're driving across a bridge and this little voice in, inside says, hey, I want you to pay for the next three people behind you on the bridge. Hey, cast, get thee behind me, Satan. No, God's leading you into good works, you know. You could be pretty assured that, well, yeah, God's probably want me to do that. 
I don't know how many people's gas tanks I've filled up. I've been there pumping, and there's somebody, you know, some old gal pumping, and the Lord says, you know, pay for her gas. Pay for her gas. Who, God? Who? The one behind you. Oh, I don't see her. I must be the only one. You know? It says, and I give, I give them eternal life and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And so we, we know him. Knowing him is important. And then make him known. I'll, I'll talk more about that next week. But there's three, there's three aspects that we want to talk about, about knowing him. How do we get to know him? The Word of God is number one. Okay, corporate, but guess what? Do you know who is responsible for your spiritual growth? It's not me. I want you to stand in front of a mirror and say, that guy. You are responsible. I am responsible to bring the Word and, and bring whatever, you know, I feel God's take, telling us to help the body, to help you, but... If you're not studying the Word, if you are not in the Word, if you're not reading the Word, how do you know who God is? If I didn't spend time with my wife, I wouldn't know who she is. I spend time with her, lots of time with her. I know her. She knows me. She knows me. She knows what I like to eat. She knows what I don't like to eat. She knows that I like my blankets warm. She knows me. So we need to know him. So that, that's one, the word of God, and how we get that to people. Now, again, part of the vision of Sioux Christian Fellowship is, is a thing called life groups or Bible studies. Also, discipleship classes. All, you say, well, I haven't seen anything like that. Yeah, it's part of it. It's coming. Be patient, please. You know? Every time we add 10 people to the, to the body, man, there's more work to do. And, and I'm, I'm frantically trying to get the structure in place and getting people in place to be able to do some of these things to get opportunities for what? So people can know him and learn about him. It's vital that you know who he is today. And I'm telling you, you may, you may scrape by and get into heaven if you're in church once a week. But I'm telling you, you need to be self-feeders as well. You need to consume that word because... When, when you're having trouble and the pastor's not there to tell you what to do, you need to know what to do based on what the Word of God says. People are perishing for lack of knowledge. What knowledge? The knowledge of who Christ is in this Word. They're perishing, dying. There's people sitting in churches dying and going to hell because they know about God, but they don't know Jesus Christ. Maybe we need to get the happy dance going again. So the word, the complete word, both individually and corporate. How else do you get to know God? Prayer. Knowing him. This is part of the vision of this church. Prayer. Corporate. Individual. Intercessory. I'm telling you what. You want to know God? Pray. And then, like old Habakkuk here. You know? Sit down and listen for a second. Oh, he'll talk to you. But you know what the problem is? Is You'll ask God for something, and he'll bring a response that you don't like. No, that can't be God. I'll wait. I'll wait some more. Hey, God, 
I don't know about you, but when I go with the guy with the same question and I get the same answer back and forth, I don't think he's changing his mind. No matter how many times I ask. You know, I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm a little bit soft. My daughter, you know, she'll want something. i say, no, honey, I don't think so. Dad, you know, no. She'll wear me down. Pretty soon say, yes, just so you'll leave me alone. God's not like that. He ain't changing for you or anybody. And so when he says no, no means no. Until maybe a later time. If he says not now, at least that's something. But if it's not yes, do not get out in front of God. I am a famous get out in front of Godder. Famous. You get out in front of God, and I'll tell you what, your head gets sore from running into things. It's much easier for him to open the door for you and walk through it than try to knock it down with your head. Yep, I got a soft spot right here in my head. Bang! I guess that wasn't you, was it, God? You know, I'll tell you how it is. Because here's, here's what we do. We hear the Lord says, I want you to go to the store. All right, I'm gone! And you get in the store, man, you get your shopping cart full of stuff, and the Lord says, and stand there. But I got this sharpened cart full of stuff already, God. Yeah, no kidding. Now unload it. Because you didn't stay and listen to the rest of the story, Paul Harvey. Some of you are old enough to understand who that is. Some of you are young. You're like, who's Paul Harvey? Good day. So the prayer is so important. This is the one thing. If you don't do anything else as a Christian, please pray. Please. The prayer of a righteous man or woman avails much. That's the Bible. We know that works. So you got to pray. And I'm not just talking about now I lay me down to sleeps. Talking, we need to pray all through the day. You know, I knew that my prayer life and my Christian walk was doing good because way back when I first got saved, I worked construction, man. I whacked my, I, and I whacked my thumb a lot, man. I wasn't a great carpenter. Bang! Oh, praise Jesus came out of my mouth instead of something else. That was good. I knew I was growing in the Lord. You know, I didn't even throw the hammer through a window or nothing. I was doing good, man. I, I was so proud that day. I was. I mean, my, I had a big old thumb, and it nail turned black and fell out, but I was so proud. I didn't even cuss or nothing. I was doing good. Prayer. Okay, so there's three aspects. Personal prayer and corporate prayer. I'll tell you what, when we come together and pray corporately, something happens. It does. So we have these prayer nights, and, and as we grow, I expect those things to continue to grow and to be more frequent, okay? That's part of the vision. But again, people come up to me all the time, and they get really anxious, and I, I appreciate enthusiasm. I love enthusiasm. Oh, man, Pastor, we got to do this. And I'm like, I know we do, and I know, but we, it's just not time right now because, because you don't see the big picture of I've got to get people in place, and, and if we go off and do this... I'll tell you what, we're our own worst enemies because I was one of those very enthusiastic Christians, man, let's go, and I'm charging ahead for God, and I'm lost as a goose in the fog because I've got no direction because I'm doing it myself, and I'm out here saying, hey, God, come on, i got a great idea, and he's going, oh, my son. Oh, my son. Hey, you go over there and rescue him one more time, bring him back over here and get him to... When you sit down and you spend time in prayer, he will speak to you. He will save you from a lot of headaches. I suggest you start your day with prayer 
instead of ending your day with prayer because then you're praying, oh, God, I messed up this. Forgive me for that. Help me. Why, God, where were you? Why didn't you help me? If you prayed before, maybe God would be saying, hey, you know what? Don't do this or go do this instead. It's always good to start your day with prayer. And I'm not saying, you know, you got to be down there for an hour sucking out carpet mites. I pray all day long going through down the road, you know. You know, I've got to have this holy, righteous prayer, oh, God. Now, open your eyes so you don't wreck yourself into the woods while you're praying going down the street. You know, just check in. Hey, God, what do you think today? Love you. I want to obey you. And when you get that little, eh, maybe you shouldn't do that, maybe you need to listen to that instead of saying, ah, well, you know, that's indigestion. Pray. It's important. It's part of the vision of this church. How do you know Jesus? The Word of God and prayer is a big one. Big one. That's part of what we do and part of what we're going to do. The Word, Bible studies, knowing the Word, learning the Word, you know? And, and, and I love getting into the Word. I'm learning all the time. I would love to tell you, I know that Bible cover to cover. I don't. I'm not good at it. You know, some people say, you know, there's this, and this is the Scriptures here, there. I can quote the Scriptures, but I can't always tell you where it's at. You know, some people are great at that. I mean, Jack Van Impey, I don't like him. Why do I not like him? Because he's the walking Bible. That dude, he can cross-reference and quote scriptures on memory. He's saying, well, in Revelation, blah, 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 blah. And then it says in Genesis, blah, 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 blah. And then he cross-reference, Good for him. I can't do that. Prayer is so important. And then another aspect, and some part of the vision here is, is praise and worship. You know, the Bible says, a spirit, uh, a, a spirit of praise, uh, a garment of praise for a spirit of heaviness. How many of us, we haven't, have anybody ever gotten out of bed and you've had one of those days already and you just open your eyes? I don't know about you, but, you know, of course, you know, my family, I don't know why I tell them myself, but, you know, they, they call it chainsawing. Well, Dad's chainsawing today because I get, I get aggravated and I get rah, 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 rah on something, you know, and, and I'm one of those that once I get on something, I can't get off of it until I'm satisfied, you know. Everybody else has got to be miserable around me. Oh, Dad's chainsawing. He's chainsawing. But see, how many, when you're having that spirit of heaven, just decide, you know what? I'm going to praise God. You don't want to know why? Because it's the last thing the enemy wants you to do, and he's going to make you feel like not doing that very thing. You know it's going to help you, but you don't want to do it, and the enemy's going to make sure you don't want to feel like you're doing it. I don't feel like praising. I'm mad. I'm just going to go ahead and lay it all out there today. My wife is so good at this. I'll be having a rough day. She says, well, honey, why don't you pray? Why don't you? I don't want to pray. I don't want to praise. Leave me alone. I know what I'm doing. I'm a righteous man of God. You know who you're talking to? Devils flee from me. Righteousness of Christ in me. Oh, well, go ahead and just be miserable the rest of the day. And then, and then, my wife hates this part. I'll have her brother and the Lord say, hey, man, why don't you just spend a minute praying? That's a great idea. Wish I'd have done that. Yeah, that's a great, oh, praise God. Man, and then I go home, honey, man, so-and-so called me, and they said, did this, and it just broke everything for you. She's like, you know, and then she's chainsawing. <laughs> but praise and worship. Why do, we, why do we start with praise and worship here? 
That's why, because, man, you're coming out of the world and there's dust and stuff on you. We need to get free of that and there's heaviness. And we're just going to praise God for, for, for what he's done and then we're going to worship him for who he is. And then we get into that place and it's like, ah, oh, okay, I can breathe again. Okay, ah, oh, I can love everybody again. I know, I, I guess I really don't hate that person that I want dead. Ah, <laughs> oh, okay, I guess, I guess that ought I have against them. Okay, yeah, I can forgive them now. Yeah. Three minutes ago, I wanted their head on a stick, but yeah. oh, that's why, that's why, that's part of the vision here. That's why. And, and I want to tell you something. This worship team that we have, <clears throat> this worship leader, <clears throat> there's nothing special about them other than they are gifted musicians and they love God. When they go, here's my instructions to them. You guys go up there. You get into the presence of God. That's their job. Just that's all of our jobs. There's nothing special about they're the worship leaders. No, they're leading worship to help us get to that place where we get in the presence of God. Every one of us is our own worship leader. They're not the spiritual cheerleaders of the church. J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. But sometimes we come in, and let me tell you, I've been up here, and I stand up here, and you should see some of your faces when you come through the door. And they're up there, J-E-S-U-S, Jesus. I don't want Jesus today, buddy. And you can't make me. You're absolutely right. You can't be made. All they're doing is they're worshiping, setting an atmosphere for you. But you know what? You can have that same atmosphere driving down the street in your car. And you call out Jesus. So I'm not trying to, to make them less than what they are. But understand what the purpose is. And that's the, the vision is... What? So you can get into the presence of God because in the presence of God, things change. I, I've, it's happened to me. I come in and, you know, of course, you know, we're all pretty good at putting on our faces. You know, you, know, you, you walk out of the house, you yelled at the kids, barked at the wife, you know, slapped the truck. I mean, all the way to the front door. Ding! How you doing, brother? God bless you today. Love you, man. And this is why it's so hard with men and women. I'm getting a little bit off, but this is good. See, women, men can put everything in a box, different boxes. In the car on the way to church, having an argument is a box. You walk through the church door, it's a whole different box. What does being in church have to do with the car? Nothing. Completely, it has nothing to do with it. So we had an argument in the car, big deal, we're in church now. That's done, that's over, it's a different box. Women, everything's in a box. The car, the home, the women, the kids, it's all one box. So they get out of the car. You just had an argument. They're coming into church. It's all in one big box. They're saying, you hypocrite. How can you do that? We just had an argument. We just stand here and worship God, having a great old time, loving everybody. We just had an argument. She's sitting here stewing, you hypocrite, you hypocrite, you hypocrite. I'm just saying, you know, worship gets that dust off. This should be a place, biblically, where you should be looking at forgiveness and forgiving. You come bringing worship with ought in your heart against someone, your offense, 
Get it right and be free. So that's, that's part of the vision is, is allowing God, the presence of God, so that people can enter his presence. And it's nothing special they're doing. Is you ever wonder why is it somebody is sitting here, man, and they're just worshiping God and they're just in tears and, and you're sitting here, what the heck, I don't feel nothing. It's not their fault. It's really on you. But it's part of our vision here for the music because music is powerful. World War II, Nazi Germany. Hitler used music to influence the youth. The kids. That's how he got the kids. Music. He used music to do it. Do research. And let me tell you what the enemy uses today. This is why you've got to be so careful. And we are very careful here with worship teams. Because the enemy can use music. And people. And musicians are a quirky lot. Just saying. <laughs> They're quirky, you know? I mean, there's a reason you run into a burning building to try to save a guitar. <laughs> They're quirky bunch. But praise God. And, and I believe that it is a gifting and a calling that, you know, like David, man, he could play and demons would leave. He would pray so the king could have some peace and so he could even focus. So there's a gifting there that, that, that allows them to be able to, to play so that people can just enter into his presence. So it's a big, big part of who we are and what we do. So know him. We've got to know him through the word. We've got to know him through prayer. We've got to know him through praise and worship. How many of you have just been in time where all of a sudden you hit this song and it's just like, oh, God's speaking to you and you're just in his presence and you know that you know that you know God is real. We need those things. And that's part of what we do. So the vision of Sioux Christian Fellowship, know him. And, and there's lots of things, subtitles under that of, of knowing him. And, and there's things that we're going to do about knowing him. And there's many things we'll do uh, when we get into make him known evangelistically. There's, all, there's room for lots of stuff. But we've got to know him first. If you don't know him, how can you make him known? I could go to, right now, I could open a shop and say, mechanic on duty. I could do that because I know a mechanic. I know about mechanics. I know that you got to have oil in your car and you got to have gas and you got to have spark plugs and you know you got fuel filters. I know about cars. I know about it. But I don't know it. You brought your car to me, I'll take her apart. And I'll give it back to you in boxes. Because I don't know that. You can know about God. You can know about Jesus. You need to know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, I'm going to say something. I want you to understand what I'm trying to say here. It's hard for me to believe that people know Jesus, really know Jesus, and do some of the things they do. Now listen, I know we sin, we make mistakes, but... I can't believe that you know Jesus and tell me you need another woman, you need another man, or you need this, or you need that. I'm going to tell you that, that Christ, when you know Christ, you want to be righteous, and you want to try to be holy, and you're trying to take those steps. You know, 
Somebody asked me, somebody was, you know, wanted to argue me about drinking, you know. Well, I don't think anybody's going to go, how if they have a beer? Maybe not. Your business. I'm not peeking your window. You're not going to see me have a drink. You don't know why? Now, there's a church where a pastor walked up, opened a beer, drank it right in the service, said, there, I'm not dead. God didn't strike me dead. Beer's okay. What did that do to every alcoholic that was sitting there? I can't tell an alcoholic, you can be free. If I'm not, or if I'm indulging in whatever, drugs, whatever, doesn't matter. We're not going to have a men's group with cigars under the stars. But they, they have them. Church men, yeah, oh, they do. They get together, have keg, kegs of beer and cigars under the stars. Man, aren't we fellowshipping for Christ tonight? <laughs> no. No, now. You know what? Here's the problem. People are going to do what people are going to do. I'm not your God. I can help you. I can guide you. I can tell you, you know what? That's not good. But why am I not doing those things? First of all, Christ convicted me. I got delivered from that. Why do I want to go back to it? Makes no sense to me. You get free of something? 1 Corinthians 15.33 has nothing to do with this message. This is free advice. It says, evil company corrupts good morals. Get free of something and then go back to it? And we're going to talk about influence. And that's how we evangelize, by influence. And we need to be influencers instead of influenced. So those are some of the reasons. Not because, well, I'm, you know, it's not a religious thing. For me, if I have a drink, how do I tell that alcoholic, you can be free? Just a second. You can be free. Now, alcohol is an easy, easy example. But there's all kinds of them. You know, you name the sin. Pornography. You can be free of pornography. I need to be free of it. I am free of it. But if I'm not free of it, how am I going to get you free of it? Because here's the thing with every one of us, being a testimony. What we've been through and the things we've gone through, people are coming behind us that are going through it, and we've got to be able to show them the way through it in Christ. Sometimes that's standing beside them. Sometimes that's carrying them. Whatever it takes, but you're showing them. You know what? God did it for me. He'll do it for you. You with Christ. But if you don't know him, you're not going to be able to. You've got to know him, not about him. Knowing about him is not going to get you through that crisis. I was famous for that. Oh, goodness. Before I was saved. You know, I would have a crisis and I'd tell people, yeah, well, my mom knows Jesus. She's born again. So things have got to be good because she's praying. I know. I was slow. I knew who God was. I even went to church once in a while. Whew. I was not prepared for the day that I was living in then. You've got to know him. So with that, here's what I want to do. With every head up, every eye open, if you don't know him that way, raise your hand. Now, listen, if you cannot make a commitment for Christ, now sometimes I do bow your head, blah, blah, blah. But if you can't make a commitment for Christ in a church where people know Jesus Christ and love Jesus Christ and probably been praying for you and will help you, don't tell me you're going to go out there and live it. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm just trying to say, you know what? As a Christian, I don't care where I go. I'm bold. Yep, believer in Christ. 
Are you one of them Christians? Yeah, one of them crazy Christians. I pray in tongues and everything. I had a guy in a store. I was in a store. This guy was under the influence of his spirit. And, and he says, and I had my suit on. He said, oh, you're, are you a preacher? I said, yeah, I pastor this church down here. He says, oh, what kind of church are you? He says, a tongue-talking, demon-chasing, on-fire-for-God preacher. Church. He says, oh. He says, do you handle them there, snakes? He's from Tennessee. He was. True story. And I says, only the dead ones. I couldn't resist. But if you don't know Jesus Christ like, like that, I mean, I've made a commitment to Jesus Christ as Lord and my Savior. Raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand. And we'll pray for you. See that hand. Praise God. Anybody else? Don't be afraid. I'm not even going to bring you up here. All right. I see your hands nice and high. God bless you. God bless you. All right. All right. Now, Davey, make sure you go back there and give me some of those booklets. Because if you make this commitment today, I want you to see me after because I want to give you some stuff. I want to get you started down the road on the Bible. It's important. Okay? Now, go ahead. Raise your hands up one more time. Everybody, go ahead. If you need to, if I'm, we're making that commitment. All right. Somebody that's sitting beside them, if you came with them, help them. Help them. All right. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. We're going to pray this prayer. The Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died, he rose again on the third day, and he's at the right hand of the Father, you shall be saved. Amen. Romans 10, 9. So that's what we're going to do. Okay? Now, now once you get born again, now it's about starting to walk this thing out. And that means that God may tell you, you know what, there's some things that got to go in your life, then let them go. There may be some things God says you got to bring into your life, then bring them in. Amen? All right, so here's what we're going to do. Let's everybody pray together with these people that raise their hands, okay, just so they don't feel alone, because you're not. In a minute, you're going to be never alone, and the Holy Spirit's going to be out with you. But let me tell you, don't come back and get mad at me when God says, get rid of this. Preacher, I got saved, and I can't do this, and this is miserable now in my life, and it's your fault, not me. All right? Not me. All right, so let's pray. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to be my Lord, and to be my Savior. I confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus died on a cross for my sin, that He died and rose again, and He is at the right hand of the Father. I give you my life to do whatever you want with. I will follow you from today forward. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap, a big shout. Praise God. Now, if you raise your hand, you made that confession. I want you to stay here. I'm going to dismiss everybody. You guys come on up here. I want to talk to you for a minute, give you some stuff. And um, God bless you. Thank you for being here. Know him. Amen. Father, we pray right now. We pray for your protection as people go. Holy Spirit, I pray that you just quicken our spirits, Lord, and our hearts. And I pray your protection. Lord, help us. Draw us closer to you because we are seekers. Seekers of you, Jesus. And I just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. I need to see my nursery workers for about two minutes. Um, if you work in the nursery, come up and see me real quick. Hi. I won't keep you long.